Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode here at Java with Jen. I have a return guest here with me today, Mr. Alan Chapin, who you guys will remember I interviewed back on episode 111 with his book. What was your book called again? Listen. See, I was remembering all the things except for that. Okay. Listen, the easiest title ever. (laughs) (laughs) And so his book was about learning to hear God's voice and really about his journey in learning to hear God's voice. It was a devotional slash book and it was really great. My son Shiloh actually, I think won it at a youth event um, that he had popped in and Alan was speaking at it and giving away books. And so my son Shiloh, you would think that he like won the world when he came home with that book. And he was like, mom, I've got to read this. It's from pastor Alan. And he was so excited. So uh, anyway, so Alan, thanks for coming back on my show. I love it. Thanks for the privilege. Anytime that somebody lets me come back, for anything, I feel like, you know, I mean, I mean, the people at the Chinese buffet will let you come back. But, you know, <laughs> other than that, if anybody else lets me come back, I'm kind of like, wow, man, totally didn't mess that up the first time. All right. That's cool. <laughs> you totally didn't. And I loved I loved our whole episode. So that's why I wanted to pull you back on here. And um, in fact, I love um, I love what I love about Alan and why I wanted to pull him back on the show for you guys is that he is a dreamer. And he is not afraid to set big goals. And he very much believes in the whole, hey, we're going to take the world and we're going to do the thing and bring the kingdom. And he's a go-getter. And so we're going to actually dive deep into this topic today of partnering with God and and dreaming with God. And we want to kind of unravel maybe some religious beliefs that keep a lot of Christians bound and keep us from dreaming or being as assertive or even as risk-taking as we should be in building our dreams and building goals and partnering with what the Lord has put in our lives and on our lives and given us to do. So Alan, you're a dreamer. Tell us real briefly before we dive into this, what is the current goal that is sitting over your, over your heart right now? Yeah. So current goal right now and taking on a bunch of stuff, the the new initiatives and ministry and all that kind of stuff as far, you know, and then there's the church and all that, but personal goal uh, right now, just in the last uh, couple of months decided to uh, increase. I, years ago, I'd set a goal of, I just wanted to write a book. And as soon as I got it written and published and all that, I was so happy about it, but felt like this need to, uh, I was like, I love this. I want to do more of this. I feel like this might be a part of life and ministry. So I set a goal of 10 books in 10 years. That was from 2017, I guess would finish in 2026 or 2027 uh, or whatever. And so just recently I was talking to my sons, one's 12, one's 15. And I was just encouraging them, be excellent in life, go after all that God has for you, use your talents and abilities, be the best you can be. Hey, whatever we're going to do, let's try to be top of our game, you know, and let's don't let anybody look at us and go, man, they could have done more. I was like, I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus go, wow, you could have, you could have done more with your life if you just tried a little bit harder. And, you know, and so it was right after that conversation with them, I was looking at this 10 books in 10 years. And so got three that are already out. I, I'm going to have three more before the end of the year. We'll talk about it later. But um, but I was like, man, that's six. There's only four more to go. And I've still got three years. And I was like, this is that's really not that much because I've got 15 or 20 other books on the docket right now. Like, I just need to write them. I just need to finish if I could do that. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it 20 books in 10 years. We're just going to double this thing. And if I don't hit it, whatever, but I'm going to at least try because I think I could do it, you know? And so I'm going to, I'm going to give God my best. And if, you know what, one day I stand before because you could have put out 40. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe could have done it. I don't, whatever it is. I just want to go, I'm doing my best for the word. I wanted to set a good example for my boys. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought the best way to do that is go public. And so shared it with the congregation at church. I'm right, 20 bucks in 10 years, you know, put it on social media. Everybody who wants to go with me on the journey, you know, I'm writing 20 bucks in 10 years. And if you need help, I'll help you too. And we're, you know, and, just, and I thought I'm just going to put it out there. And then I can't back off of it because now people will say, I thought you were writing 20 books in 10 years, you know? And uh, so that was it. So I'm going after it. I'm excited about it. Uh, as soon as I set the goal, what's funny is, um, as soon as I set the goal, I became excited about it. Mm. 
I was not as excited before I set the goal, but once I set it, there was like this new energy and, and now it's like, Oh, I'm going to crush it. I'm going after this, you know? So anyway, that's the that's new amazing. thing that uh, has got me riled up and excited about life and all that good stuff. I love it. You know, there is actually something to be said for going public with your goals and, and actually writing your goals. I actually just posted that in my group with my podcast students and was like, Hey, listen, you guys set goals and set deadlines. If you don't, you're not going to move forward. It just won't accidentally happen. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about like, even with my podcast, even when I've set goals that I can't fully control. Um, for example, one of my goals this year was I was living in the top four to five percent of podcasters in Apple Podcasts. And I was like, I want to see that be somewhere in the one to three percent. You know, I want to, but I can't totally control that. Right. And uh, I can do my part, but some of that is just up to chance, you know. And, right. um, and sure enough, in June, I found a website that told me my global ranking was top one percent. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck? You know, I was like, Jesus did it. And so I have found that just by writing down, I mean, I will, I literally have before written down my goals for the year and lost the list. So I, it's not like I could keep checking in. I lost the freaking list, you know? Yeah. And then I found it later at the end of the year and realized I had completed all of those goals. And so I think, uh, I think there's something to be said for writing your goals down, but I think the Holy spirit comes and partners with us because he's the one who yeah. tells us to be a person of action right yeah yeah and, and so, that was the other part and i love that that you didn't want like you like you were doing great lots of people would look at that and go you're in the top four or five percent like how much better does it have to be but the truth is in all my research i thought i'm gonna write 20 books i want to be good at it uh -huh. and i want to be books that people would read well how are they going to find out about them i'm not super popular i'm not on tv i'm not whatever you know i'm not and so I thought, you know what? I want to be an Amazon number one bestseller. And so I threw that in the mix with it. Not only do I want to write the books, at least one time, I want to be able to say, I was at the top. Not for me. It's not about the fame, because what I know is that algorithm, if you get to the top, pops you out there in front of more people. I was like, yeah. it puts the book in the hands of more people whose lives can be changed. My life is about making change for folks, you know, bringing them the good news. And so I'm like, if that will help get that in the hands of more people, why wouldn't I try to be the best that I could be yeah. and honor the Lord in that? I just want to do great with what he gives me. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about this. Let's go deeper because I have found in my Christian experience, and I feel like honestly getting into business and surrounding myself with business people and people who are like, they're like not content with making a hundred grand a year. They want to make a million dollars a year. They want to make a billion dollars a year and, and not for greed, but because they actually have a vision to impact the world. And yeah. I read the book about Elon Musk's life and it was very perspective changing. In fact, I'll say 2020 kind of put a lot of this in perspective for me because in 2020, we saw these people rise to the surface that we didn't realize are the most powerful men in the world because they own the wealth of the nations. Like most people don't know this nine. I think it's something like 90 to 97% of the world's wealth is owned by six men, six it's men. Crazy. That's like slavery when you have six people owning all the wealth and they're the ones who get to move the needles and, and change the machines. And what we saw in 2020 was that some of these men are very corrupt. Most of them really are very corrupt. Now there are some very wealthy billionaires who like, you'll never know their name, but they are making things change with their wealth and with their influence. Yeah. And so yeah. when I, I, it's just kind of began to open my eyes of like, you can be someone who changes the nations and money is a tool and a vehicle to do that. And so it made me even look at scripture differently. Abraham was a, he owned nation. He owned a nation like armies. Yeah. Like he was very, in fact, the men of the old Testament, the fathers of our faith, it says we're very, very wealthy. Solomon was the wealthiest in the world, you know? And so Joe? Joe, like, yes, Job, all these, uh, Isaac, Jacob, all these people. And so it's like, what happened in our Christianity that made us take a poverty mentality and think that poverty is godly or that a passive approach to life is actually godly. So before we get into the misnomers and the wrong beliefs that we've taken up as believers, what would you talk about here? Looking at like 
God's mandate for us to possess the land, to take dominion, to be active, to be proactive. What thoughts do you have on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I love, uh, and and I'll touch real quickly on this thing, then I'll go back, uh, that even in the New Testament, because we were like, oh, Jesus came and the church started and then everybody was poor, you know, Uh, but there were people who were selling their land and their possessions to help fund the church. That means they had them. So, I mean, it was there, but if I was to go back even further, I would tap back into Genesis when God created, it says that the world was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the earth. And if you go back and study all those words there of what that meant, that meant there was an earth, but the, the, the condition of it was that it was in chaos. It was in darkness. Uh, there was emptiness. There was uh, lack. There was all these things. Well, God had created, God didn't create anything imperfect. So why was it imperfect? Well, we know Lucifer had been cast out of heaven. We know that he had, he was at work somewhere and it would appear from what scripture says that perhaps he was, he had done something with the earth. So when God comes to create, he's actually kind of recreating in the form that he wants this earth to be. And then he creates man and woman and he places them in the center of all that he has done. And he says, now you rule and reign, take dominion. I give you authority over this world, over the animals, over the thing. He's like, he gives them creativity. He's like, name the animals. You see them. What do you think they ought to be called? And he gives them that freedom and that opportunity to be creative, to use what he's gifted them with, to shape what this world would be and to take authority over which is what makes the story so sad when they give that up to the enemy and they go i don't know it did god really say this did god really say that come on you're in charge of this place mm-hmm. don't let that don't let that liar come in and twist things for you you're supposed to be telling it hey shut up god yeah. gave me authority over this place all right yeah. well you listen to me i don't listen to you and, you know, that sounds very crude or whatever, rude to whatever, but that is really, in essence, God would say, no, no, I, you're my child. I've given this to you. Be in charge of it. Take take authority over it and do something with it. He's like, be fruitful and multiply. And it was to to rule and reign and to fill the earth. Yeah. To fill with what? To fill it with who God is. To fill it with his nature and his character, with more of us uh, as people honoring him, worshiping him, doing with this world what he wanted done. Mm -hmm. And I think we walked away from that somewhere over the last 6,000 years. And we've kind of been like, well, you know, but like other people, this is, you know, just, you see how bad everything is where this world's bad and this and this and this. And like, yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. But um, last time I checked, we're still his children and we still have his authority And when Jesus died, he gave that authority back to us, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And we need to step into that. So many times we miss it. So like, I kind of halfway jokingly say to our church, like we own our community, this town, this area, this county. And I'm not discounting what other churches are doing or anything like that. I'm like, don't you dare walk around here and think we're less than because we are not. God placed every one of us here because he believes we can make a difference and he wants us to take authority in our neighborhoods. Own your street for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Own your, own your workplace for Jesus. Don't let somebody else be the one who's leading that. Be the one who steps into it fully and says, I'm going to honor the Lord by being the best that I can be at this. I'm a dream. I'm going to go after this. I want God's place dreaming and creativity inside of us. I mean, you're talking about wealthy people. Another yeah. here's a great another example because Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos literally in my time alone with the Lord today. I was just God was going, Hey, Alan, be creative, dream, get out there beyond. Don't let a Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos be the only people occupying the space. Yeah. Believe for the impossible. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm in. Okay, you know, yeah. let's go for it. Yeah. It was kind of a game changer for me when I read that book on Elon Musk. It was just like a 15 minute summary book. It wasn't even like the whole thing. But what I, what I recognized is like Elon Musk does not have superpowers. You know what I mean? He's not possessed by the devil that gives him some supernatural, whatever. He's a man. And he's a man who was not afraid to dream 
and pursue bigger things. Like what a lot of us will do, like what you even said, you're like 10 books in 10 years, maybe that was dreaming small. So let me do 20 books in 10 years. That's what Elon does. You know, he's like, you know what? I'm going to build a tunnel that goes through the whole earth. You know, like I'm going to build, I'm going to build a new branch of the army that lives in space. Let's do it. You know, like he dreams so so big and it's like the Lord kind of challenged me, which I don't know if Elon is a believer or if he's not, I'm praying that the Lord will meet him. But regardless, he's dreaming big. And I'm like, if we who have the God of the universe in our corner and we have angel armies at our disposal, why the heck are we not dreaming bigger? Like what is wrong with us? And so anyways, and I love like, um, a lot of times people will think, and I think it's one of the Christian misnomers maybe is that, Oh, that's not humble. That's not humble. I don't want to be, uh, what's the word pretentious or presumptuous or whatever. Oh, if it's not God's will, whatever. But there's a scripture that talks about that when we rule and we're in a place of authority it's good for people. There's a Proverbs that says when the wicked rule, the people groan, yeah. but when the righteous rule, they rejoice. And it's yeah. like, and it's, it's when we are in a place of authority and influence, the righteousness on our life, the anointing of God on our life becomes a blessing to those people who are underneath our sphere of influence. And we have a responsibility to steward that. Because if we're leading and our heart is right between us and the Lord, we're his children, we're doing right. We're going to be good to people. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's not walking with the Lord may or may not be good to people and if they're in authority then it's like man what what chance do people have but if, if we're there and we know we're going to do all we can to bless people we're going to do all we can to help people that's why being number one making money i mean think about the greens who own hobby lobby mm-hmm. they are number one in their category right yeah. god has blessed them dramatically i just read his book uh, leadership not by the book oh my goodness so good and uh, but they got a philosophy that says God gives us this and we have this ability to do this and we should do it well because we can use the wealth to make a difference. Yeah. And we can make a difference in our employees lives and we can make it. And so what they've done is they've owned their space for the kingdom and just said, we're going to be the best we can be. And we're going to take this thing by storm. And, you know, and so and yet with a great attitude and great spirit. Right. Yeah. Totally. So Matthew eleven twelve. you and I talked about it a little bit. Like, I think there's yeah. a, which we'll dive again into this, um, passivity and where it came from, but Matthew eleven twelve. let's pull out some scriptures that kind of confront that passivity and like remind us and cast vision that we're meant to be assertive. So Matthew eleven twelve is one that says the kingdom of God from the day of John, the Baptist into now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and the violent take it by force. There's other translations that say the kingdom of God has suffered violence. Um, but the context of that passage, I feel like is very relevant here. Why don't you kind of unfold that a little bit? So John, the Baptist, when he comes on, this is Jesus talking. And when he's talking about his cousin, John, the Baptist, And he's talking to people who are going, we don't understand. You guys are not fitting in with the mold of our tradition that says that that uh, that godly people have to be this way. Godly people have to be this way. This is the way that God functions. This is whatever. And John the Baptist comes on the scene. He's blowing everybody away. He's not dressing like he's supposed to. He's not doing whatever. And we've got people, you know, that, that, that come on the scene now and people go, hey, you can't do that or whatever. But they, it's very different. And we struggle with things that are different sometimes. And so John comes with this strong message of like, you better repent. God is coming to, you know, whatever. And, he, and yet he's going, but the Messiah is coming. You know, well, they're thinking of physical Messiah coming to rule and reign right then. And they're kind of thinking, well, maybe this guy's right. I don't know, because if the Messiah comes and we're not doing it right. So we got a lot of questions, right? John, very different. And now Jesus comes on the scene. He's even different from John. And they're going, you guys are blowing our minds. We don't know. And Jesus is going, I know it's violent. It's wrecking your whole system. It's like you guys. And he's like, you know, and you, you say, well, we can't do that. Rome, we can't do that because of this and our traditions and the rules and all that. And John and Jesus are very assertive. Yeah. They're going straight at this stuff. They're like, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. This is what it is. Okay, boom. And yet, of course, Jesus, obviously, with, 
probably a little more grace and tenderness than John. John's ripping them, you know, and uh, it's still those styles today. But, you know, it's so, and so, but Jesus doesn't pull back. When it's somebody who knows better, he goes straight at it and goes, come on, man, you know better than this. Yeah. You know, I love his conversation with Nicodemus. He goes, you are the most trusted and revered leader. Uh, you know all this scripture. You've studied all this stuff. And you're telling me you don't understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Yeah. You know. And and so he has these very direct conversations with them. He's bold. He goes out and he's healing people and doing things. And they're going, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. He's like, did God make the Sabbath for you or you for the Sabbath? Like yeah. what? I mean, he's, it, and so he's, he's doing things that don't fit it. And it, it's just really tearing apart. It's very assertive. It's very in your face in a way. Yeah. And, and yet, and if he's our ultimate example, why are we so timid and afraid? And like, he lives in us. It's like greater is he who's in you than he that's in the world. And what are we worried about? Yes. Like Jesus is a lion and a lamb, you know, he's both. And I keep, I always tell my listeners like, Hey guys, wisdom and the way of righteousness is found in the middle. If you get on either extreme, you end up in a ditch, you know, either extreme, you can either be so aggressive that you're hurting people or so timid that you're getting nothing accomplished. You have to live in the middle. And I think that God built it that way because the middle is where it causes us to require discernment and to require the leading of the Holy spirit to know which side of the fence to be on for which situation. Um, yeah. So one, one parable that I love to look at that kind of started changing my thing. There's actually two things. One, I started asking the Lord to show me what I don't know about Jesus. And as I was reading the new Testament, I started Mm. to see like some of the things that Jesus would say to the Pharisees. I was like, Oh snap. He, those are fighting (laughs) words, you know, like, Oh my gosh, no wonder they didn't like him very much. You know, I was like, that's not nice Jesus you know that's not nice like us Christians think of I was like but it's true like it was the truth and I wouldn't even say it wasn't done in love because he is love right and so even the 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 straight directness of what he was saying was loving because that's what was necessary to pierce their unbelief and their religious mindsets and um anyways but the other thing that that kind of began to challenge me especially getting into business and like even investing in business and being willing to take debt for business, which I'm, I'm not reckless with at all. Um, but was the parable of the talents where you have those three men who were given different amounts based on their faith. I think based on their skill or their, their, yeah, their ability, that was the word. And so you've got the guy who was given one talent and we know he buried it because he was afraid the guy had was given two. And then the guy who was given five and the the two and five, they multiplied it said they immediately went out and they put it to work and they multiplied it. Well, what that told me, because the whole point of that message is the guy who was afraid and buried it literally was not even allowed to enter into the kingdom with God. Like he was cast into hell, if you will, yeah. based on the parable. And he was considered un like a wicked and faithless servant. And I was like, hold up. That means there are a lot of Christians that because of our timidity, because of our fear, because of oh. our apprehension and refusal to take risk, will actually fall in that category. And so it, it changed the way I was thinking. I was like, I have to live on the front of my toes, like leaning forward into the next thing, live, not afraid to take risks. And it, it made me realize that it comes down again to if you're walking in love and faith or in fear. And the bottom yeah. line is he was full of fear. And the other two were full of faith that they could multiply what was given to them. And so there's so much you can extract from that parable, but that was a yeah. major game changer for me about our need to be proactive, risk-taking, forward-thinking. Mm. And that's part of our ability to live out our faithfulness and our eternal destiny, you know? Give the altar call right now. I'm coming. I mean, just <laughs> tell me to close my eyes and raise my hand, whatever. I mean, that's, that is so good to just, I mean, we've got to go after that. I mean, and I thought when you said it, it, it just hit me just then. I was like, it's because he lived in fear. Mm-hmm. It's because he lived in fear. And so many times we live, I don't want to offend somebody. Our world is so caught up. Like, you're God, don't, don't offend anybody. Well, I love what's happening in our world right now with all these big companies. They offend one side and they get upset with them. And as soon as they go, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry. We didn't mean to offend you. The other side goes, 
wait a minute, now you're offending us, you yeah. know, like, and so they're, oh, we can't, and, and they don't know which way to go, and they're losing market capital, they're losing all this stuff, because they're so afraid they're going to offend somebody, they chose to not take a stand and find an audience and do that stuff, and I think, you know, all throughout scripture, I said this yesterday, um, and, and it was just kind of bonus material and didn't mean to, but in, in the midst of a message, I said, you know, every time in scripture, when God says, fear not, you know, like literally almost every time the, the thing that is associated with that, he says, for I am with you. Mm. Or if it's an angel speaking it to somebody says, fear not for the Lord is with you. In other words, the answer is always, we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. He has given it. If he's with us, then we don't have to fear. And so that's for that servant to be afraid was to say, my master's not good. He doesn't care. He doesn't know. He's gone away. He's not with me. And so it really doesn't matter what I do. And even if I do it, I'm not going to be successful. And it was just this low thinking instead of going, I know my master. He would want me to do the best I could. Yeah. I'm going to get out there and try. And if yeah. I flop, all I'll be able to tell him is, I don't know. I did what you said, do. I got out there and did it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. and probably, I just look at it and go, if those guys had failed, I still think the master would have said they got out and hustled and tried. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong, but I think that's probably what would have happened because in that parable, he's trying to show the heart of God. Yeah. Like, get out and go after it, you know? Yeah. And, it's true. and what was crazy. In the in the uh, in that parable, both the guys who tried had the exact same result. They doubled. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how much you are given, if you'll just apply yourself to it, God will do the the rest. He'll come in along and do it. You know, sorry. It's so I'll true. Get you know. <laughs> no, it's so true. Well, and I think a lot of times we forget, like, like Ephesians 320, it says, and praise be to God, the father who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine. If, uh-huh. if, if I meditated on that every day for the rest of my life, do you know how much that would unlock the potential inside of me? Yes. And, and I have scripture and the spirit of God to pull on Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. These guys don't have scripture and the spirit of God to pull on. They're pulling on who knows what, you know? And so if they can do what they've done without the spirit of God, empowering them and giving them vision and partnering with them, what the heck is wrong with us? You know what I mean? We should be doing twice as much. And I watched, we were just talking about this earlier, but I've watched in the last four months, three months, Uh where it feels like you have catapulted into this new realm of what you're capable of. And I I was like, I knew you were sharp before, you know, (laughs) but to see how quickly you've been able to, uh, to just, I don't know if scale is the right word or whatever, but, um, expand out the things that God, the ways that God could use you to impact others so that they can impact others so that they can impact like that ripple effect. Like I look at, and there's a part of me that kind of goes, God, Alan, come on bro (laughs) doing it like get out there and hustle bro this is awesome you can do it too Mm -hmm. you know and there are times i go angela i'm gonna do a master class and she's like great what's it gonna be i was like i don't know i'm gonna figure that out i'm gonna do something you know whatever i mean and it's just like because i see somebody do somebody who loves the lord using their talents and abilities and skills for him Mm -hmm. and it just makes me go i can too and i think there's part of that like when we step out and become all we should be, others see it. When we become an inspiration to them. That's leadership. That's influence. That's getting out there. And it's not always like, hey, here's my course or whatever. It is just it's seeing a post that you make and going, I, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. I can do that. And it's, you know, sometimes yeah. I think we just forget that we, God has placed in every one of us the ability to shine and be amazing and awesome and top of our game and, yeah. and skilled and qualified. And, and that, that, in that parable, the, the master gave them stuff based on their abilities. They had abilities. Yeah. And they just needed to tap into them and use them. And, you know, you, you're not wrong. Like there, there was a shift in the momentum that I felt in my life. And what it was is when I confronted my fear and small thinking. 
That's what it was. Like when I I told you about it earlier, I had a conversation with my friend, Tiffany Tombury. She's been on the show and she's like such a faith person. I literally need regular doses of my time with her. (laughs) She builds my spirit. Um, But she looked at me and she said, because I had been talking about a lot of ideas, mulling and thinking and mulling and thinking and one day and, and just sitting passively on my ideas. And she Mm. looked at me and she was like, generally, you're never going to get anything done. If you keep making excuses for why you can't do it, just do it. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You're right. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. You know? And I was like, but as I evaluated my heart and thought about that parable, I was like, if I don't know my own heart, I won't know how I'm limiting myself. And the reality is I was limiting myself because I wasn't being honest with the fact that I was afraid to jump out and take a risk. I was afraid to start a podcast network. I was afraid to start a mastermind. I literally, I'm working with a business coach right now. And every time I look at the dashboard of what we're building, I have my adrenaline runs and I get really scared, but I'm like, you know what, Jen, it's just cause it's new. You'll figure it out too. You know? And I'm just like, I've just determined fear will come and go. And I'm just going to do the thing because I don't want to look back and be like, I wish I would have done the thing, you know? And so fear was what changed just stepping aside the fear. That's what shifted my momentum. And you know what fear, I mean, fear is a spirit and there's, I mean, there's an element of that, but fear is a feeling. It's an emotion Mm -hmm. and our feelings and emotions lie to us. Sometimes they don't always No, I mean, there's a big 18 wheeler headed towards you and you're standing in the middle of the road. Fear tells you, yeah, get out of the way and yeah. don't get run over, right? Like there's an element of that where it is helpful in that sense, but that's probably more like a healthy respect, not not true fear. Fear is a feeling, it's an emotion, mm-hmm. and our emotions, we know, lie to us. The Spirit of God speaks truth to us, and, you know, and he wants to replace that and go, don't listen to that. That's just mm-hmm. a lie that's keeping you from all I have for you, yeah. and you can do more, you can be more. Yeah. So speaking of lies, let's dig into these misnomers that a lot of us Christians maybe get stuck on. And um, I think what I feel like there's a few I'll throw some out and you just like grab and chew on any of them that you want to. But I think one that Christians get hung up in is I don't want to get in the flesh. I don't want to get in the arm of the flesh. There's that one, which comes from that passage in the Old Testament that says uh, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So I think that can get twisted. Um, if it's God's will, it'll happen. The sovereignty of God and 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 trusting a hundred percent in the sovereignty of God, forgetting that we have a part to play. Right. Um, you yeah. mentioned the fruit of the spirit kind of, they're all very sweet and that sometimes we apply that to the whole of life rather than just our human interactions. And then yeah. that can mess that up. Um, and then I think even the fear of money, the fear of success, like, what am I going to become? Am I going to, am I going to abandon the Lord if I start to experience success? So which one of those you yeah. want to chew on? I'm going to, I'm going to work backwards. I okay. Think. Because I think with that very thing, so like, I don't want people to think I'm money grubbing scum uh, because I want to be a number one bestseller on Amazon or I want to write 20 books and people think I'm getting rich off books. So they they have no clue, Uh, you know, whatever. But, uh, but it, I think we look at that and it's, we're like, we're afraid of what people will think. They'll think, oh, you're just trying to make yourself, you're trying to make yourself famous. You're trying to do that. And I'm not, then that's not the thing. That's not my heart. And so if you have a good heart, a right heart, you don't want people to think that about you. Uh, if you have a bad heart, you don't care what they think, you know, and probably we should have a, in a good heart, we should probably have a little bit of that too. You know, like, Hey, I'm not, I can't worry about what they think other than I'm just going to do the best I can to present it as I can and do that. Um, but the, then the, the love of money, we get into this whole thing. The love of money is the love of money. That is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of money. It's when I, it's when, you know, uh, you know, every rich person ever, how much is enough? Just one more dollar. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just one more. I just got to conquer one more company. I just got to conquer whatever. When it, when that gets to that level, it's just, just not like, I can't ever be satisfied and content and do that. And that doesn't mean we don't attempt to do all we can for the Lord, but when we get caught up in the money of it, and I think people are so afraid if I make a dollar, you know, if I make a hundred thousand dollars, if I make a million dollars, I'm going to become something else uh, other than that. And I think that short changes, I think we, we kind of go like, God's going to walk away from us in that right. or something like that. Instead of going, no, he can still tap my heart if I'm tender and he can still say, Hey, do that. If he can, he wants to give me a million dollars. 
and he wants me to give a million dollars, whatever. That's his business. Everything in my bank account is his anyway, so it doesn't matter how much is there. Well, and if uh, you think if you think about it, right now where we stand, we may not view ourselves as rich, but go stick yourself in the middle of Africa, and you are the wealthy that we think of of a millionaire, you know. And so, I like where you're standing. You still have the Holy Spirit, you know. Yeah. There's a website. I wish I could remember what it is, but you can go in and you can put how what how much money you make or something like that and how much you have in accounts and stuff like that. Put it in there. Do you own a house? Yes or no? All those kind of things. And it'll tell you where you rank in the world as far as wealth. And uh, I, I'll i look it up and if I can find it, I'll send it to you. You can maybe put it in the show notes or something like that. But uh, because it's but here's the deal. The, the deal is this. If you have money in the bank, money in your wallet, and loose change anywhere, I think you're among the top 10% wealthiest people in the entire world. Like everybody, 90% of the world is less wealthy than you. So you're right. It's a, it matters yeah. like, it's just a matter of perspective as far as wealth. Well, and it goes to show how much that's the voice of fear distorting because the reality, like I, I heard someone say, and I think it was maybe a, a millionaire or billionaire or whatever said this, they said, they said, having wealth isn't what corrupts you. Having wealth just reveals what's already in your heart because now you have the power to take action on what's in your heart. And so I started to think, and I was like, well, what do I do when I get money? And I realized, I was like, I always want to give it all away. <laughs> yeah. And so then it like, it gave me a lot of encouragement. I was like, oh, great. Well, then maybe when I get lots of money, I'll just give a lot more away. Okay, this is, exactly. this, I'm not so afraid anymore, you know? Yeah. And that's absolutely the truth. In fact, again, back to the, the David Green, Hobby Lobby, all that kind of stuff. He really wants to make more so that they are able to give more. And yeah. you, it just reveals your heart, like you're saying. But, you know, and when you talk about the heart, uh, this reminds me that I said that about uh, fruit of the spirit. Like, oh, but, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. We forget that one, last one a lot. But anyway, um, but it's like all these things that feel sweet and just gentle, you know, all oh, like that. And yet, and Jesus had all of those in him, had uh-huh. all of those. But, you know, when I love my kids, I discipline them. Mm-hmm. I discipline them because I love them. Um, you know, it's not just I'm, I'm kind to people because they're in need. But there are times when I have to be strong and forceful with people. Uh, and, and kindness is really defending somebody. So sometimes I'm having to be strong with somebody else and say, no, you can't treat that other person like that. That's not acceptable or allowable in any way. And there's this balance there that I think Jesus had all of that fruit in him, in his life, in his character, in his nature. That doesn't mean he didn't want to accomplish anything. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that he didn't ever stand up to somebody who was doing wrong and say, you can't do that. I mean, there's, there's a place for all of those things and there's a place for all of us to take authority and do it with a right spirit and attitude. I I remember I was uh, serving in a different role. I was serving in one of our denominational, like statewide leadership kind of roles. And I was trying to book a conference and I needed uh, hoteliers to come on board with us and do all this stuff. So I was working with convention and visitors bureau. The lady that worked there happened to be a believer. And I said, well, you know, I don't want to be ugly to these folks, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And she said, Alan, I understand your heart because I'm a believer and you're a believer. I get it. Okay. She said, here's what I'm telling you. These are business people. And if you want to do business with them, you got to do business with them. Mm -hmm. She said, you can still do business with a sweet spirit and attitude with a good heart. You can still do it, but you better do business. Mm -hmm. And if you want this thing to work and she said, do business with them and you're going to see that you're going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. she said and and they'll be glad that somebody was nice to them along the way in the process yeah, yeah. and it's something about that stood out to me when I went oh and so people were like you know sometimes they're like you mean you called that company and told them that they had to do this I was like yes they need to treat us right that's the yeah. way it should be yeah you know or whatever well and so there's a place for that well there is and I appreciate that what she's teaching you to or what she was telling you to do in essence was to be shrewd because in scripture, there's that passage that says you're to be gentle as a dove, but as shrewd or as wise as a serpent. And if we've, I mean, like the church, we understand being gentle as a dove, 
And I think right. that fear will come in and pose as gentleness when it's really fear. And yeah. the Bible is clear. Be, sh- be shrewd as a serpent. Like, I think we can all tell like the LGBT agenda, the wokeism agenda, the whole, we're coming after your kids all, they're not playing nice. So why do we play nice if it causes us to lose the game? No, like we need to be shrewd. We need to play in a way that we will win. That doesn't mean we compromise our Christianity. That doesn't mean that we become the devil to beat the devil. That doesn't work either, but it does mean that we are shrewd. And that's what she was telling you to be. And I mean, there's even which this one always kind of gets my brain. There's a, a parable in the New Testament that talks about the shrewd manager. Maybe it's the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. Is it New no, Testament? It's New Testament. Yeah, okay. Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell. Mention it. Yeah. No. He. There was a a guy gets called in. He's not. He hasn't been taking care of everything for his master like he's supposed to. And he's like, I'm gonna. You know, you're going to jail. I'm gonna kill you. Whatever. It's gonna be bad. You know. And, uh, and for the rest of your life, you're going to be in slavery and so all that kind of stuff. And the guy's like, no, 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 please, 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 please. I'm begging you, please be, be good to me. And his master goes, okay, you know what? I'm going to show you some grace. So he goes out and he starts cutting deals with people going, you owed me this much, give me this much. You owed me this much, give me this much. You owed me this much, give me this. So he can come back to his master and go, okay, I know I messed up. But here's this. And, and in all of this, he's showing now this guy's shrewd. He came up with a plan to make things right and do his work like he should have probably been doing to begin with. Uh-huh. And that's what the master called him in on the carpet floor was you're not doing all you could. Yeah. And so to make to make these accounts work and everything. And so then he goes out and does it. He's like, you know what? He showed grace to me. I can show grace to somebody else. I can make this work. And had a guy that didn't want to go along with it. And he got, you know, tested with him and all that kind of stuff. And then master found out he wasn't being shrewd anymore and got upset. But the whole point was, you know, like there's a way to make it work. You need to, but you got to work it, you know. You got to work it well. And, and I feel like, I feel like, and maybe we're thinking of different stories, but the shrewd manager I'm thinking of, and maybe it's the same story and I'm just remembering a summary of it, but where he, it almost looked like he was deceptive or he was functioning deceptively, but then scripture actually accolades him and says he demonstrated shrewdness. And I was like, do you know, I think we're remembering different ones maybe, but, but I just remember always think I was like, why was he praised for being shrewd when it really sounds like he was being deceptive? You know, I was like, that's weird. But I think there's something culturally in there that I wasn't grabbing. But the bottom line that I retained from that was like, okay, there's a, there's a level to shrewdness and, and being kind of like how everybody um, like praised President Trump for the fact that he's like the king chess player. It's like his enemies would do one thing, but he was already three steps ahead. And to me, that was such a demonstration of shrewdness. And it actually made me feel safer under his leadership because I knew he was thinking ahead and he'd already probably counted for the situation that was at hand, you know? And so there's just something wise and strategic about shrewdness that allows us to defeat the enemy, you know? Yeah. And God has a plan. God's got an order. God has a plan. Uh, he give, has a plan for us to work. And I think we need to get in there and work it and just yeah. go, go after it and go, Hey, uh, you know, we have the ability, we have the resources we have, you know, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's not like we're going to run out. We just need to, you know, go after it. And as along the way, what we need, when we need it, we'll have. Yeah, it's so true. Okay. So speak to, If it's God's will, it'll happen. I hear this so much and I want to spit and cuss every time I hear it because it nurtures such a laissez-faire, case sarah, sarah type of Christianity that is not kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) So find the right place for that for me. (laughs) It's, it's the, it's laziness in a sense. Uh, and, and that, and I say it in laziness in this sense, like if you can blame it on God, well, if it happens, it happens. If, if God does it, it, you know, if God wills it, it's going to happen. Then if it doesn't happen, you go, oh, well, God must not have wanted it to happen, right. you know, or whatever. And yet, how many things did God want to happen that didn't happen because somebody didn't do their part? Yeah. You know, they didn't step in and do something. And, you know, I mean, well, I was going to give an illustration, but that might, it, it would have probably been misunderstood. So I won't. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, 
but there's a part for us to play mm-hmm. in all of this where, you know, I mean, and, and I tell people in the church, I'm like, do we, do we want to grow as a church? Do we want to reach more people for the kingdom? Do we want to want to win more laws? Well, then we actually have to go out and tell people about Jesus. We actually have to invite them to church. There is, you, you go, well, God will just bring them. God will, I'm like, really? We're just going to put the sign up outside and have services and hope they show up? Or, or how about we tell our family and we tell our friends, and we tell our coworkers, there's a place where God's doing great things in our lives. And we want to see that happen in your life. And I'd love to have you come sometime and be a part of that because I think God wants to work in your life too. Well, unless somebody says that and does that, like, how do we expect them to show up? Are we just hoping the newspaper is going to write an article about us, you know, and and it did. No, guess what? When, when the church started doing a soup kitchen, oh, guess what? The newspaper wrote an article. You know why? Because somebody did something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I think there's this part where it's just, we just get lazy and and we end up blaming it on God for good or for bad. If it happens, it's like, oh, God did it. And, and yes, God obviously is involved, but if it doesn't happen, then we're off the hook. Right, right. We feel like, and we're not. Right. Well, and you like, think about even the the example of Jesus, for example, like, like he had a choice. I mean, he could have, and we see the struggle. We see that it wasn't, I mean, was it God's will for him to die on the cross? Yes. But the part Jesus played was surrendering his will and making a conscious decision to do God's will. And we see that when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he's confronted by the enemy and he's crying drops of blood. We see that he doesn't want to do this. You know, he's like, if there's any way, like, I think he asked three times, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, can you please let it pass? But he made a conscious decision at the end, yet not my will, but yours be done. And he laid down his life. And that is how God's will was able to happen. Jesus partnered with it. Absolutely. And here's the geography of that. If you have been to Israel, I don't know if you've been. Uh If you haven't been, Garden of Gethsemane sits on the Mount of Olives across a small valley from Jerusalem. Okay. You can walk there uh, very easily through the valley and do that. He can see the people coming across the valley to come get him. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he knows. They says they had torches. It's at night. It, you you could very easily you're on this hill you see people coming down this hill and coming up to get you okay very e- easy to see he was literally 15 minutes in 15 minutes he could have been over the top of the mount of olives and out into the judean wilderness and he could have hidden for years just like david hid from saul he was literally that cl- he could have seen them coming leaving jerusalem leaving the city coming down He had time if he wanted to, to get out of there. So he made a conscious choice, just like you said, to surrender his will to God and do what needed to be done for God to work and do what God wanted to do. And and so it was a choice on his part. Was he afraid in his flesh? He was going, this is bad. I don't want to do this. I know what's coming. Please. No, 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 no. Yeah. But in his spirit, he was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in to that fear. Yeah. I'm going to do what has to be done. And sometimes the doing is not always easy or fun. I mean, I, I cannot imagine all the legwork you have to put in behind for the <laughs> podcast, for the network, for the, uh, uh, you know, for all this stuff and still a wife and mom and, and involved at church and all the stuff, you know, uh, and we can either blow all that stuff off. No, I'm just too busy. Or we can go. Uh, I'm going to do the hard thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So I realize we're, we're running on time here. Um, Let's speak real briefly to that last one of, I don't want to get in the flesh. I feel like that's something that used to stop me in the past from taking action and like putting myself out there. I mean, I think a lot of the pain I experienced in ministry of feeling overlooked was my own fault for not taking more initiative to be like, hey, I want to preach. Can you let me preach? Can I do the thing? Because I thought by taking initiative, I was actually working in the flesh and trying to make something happen when really it would have just been communicating my desires so people understood what was going on, you know? Absolutely. You know, there's a way, and I like the word assertive um, because I think most of the time we're afraid we're going to be too aggressive. Mm-hmm. And aggressive seems negative and bad to us. We're afraid of that. 
I don't want to do that. Go, okay, that wouldn't be living in humility and all these things that I should do as a believer. So I don't want to do that. But I think assertive hits that tension that's in the middle. And like you were saying, if you stay in the middle, there's a tension because you're not all the way this way. You're not all the way this way. You're stretching. I mean, you're stretching to stay right there. But I think there's that assertion. I mean, I, I just just in the last year, uh, we were at an event back in January um, and I, I went to it and I was able to be a part of that team. And uh, our leader said, this has got to expand into more. I left that event hearing him say that it was echoing in my heart and in my head. And I, all these ideas started coming. Mm. And I was like, this is not my role. This is not my job. This is not my business. I was, I just, I just came to the table to see if I could serve. I just wanted to be a help, whatever. And now I've got all these ideas that would really belong to a leader in all, all of this. And I, I didn't know what to do with it. And so finally I just contacted the leader and I was like, can I come sit down and talk with you about that? I got all these ideas, I sent them the ideas and they said, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Let's talk. So I come and I sit down with them and talk and where our hearts were just lined straight up and it was like, everything has come together. And I was like, I love your heart about this. I love all what, what do you want me to do? I hear what you're saying you want. What do you want me to do to help serve you and make this happen? And uh, he said, Oh, I want you to lead it. And I was like, I was like, I didn't drive over here for this meeting to say, please make me the leader. Yeah. I just said, I want to help. I want to be involved. I'll do something about this. But as soon as he said, it was like, it resonated. I was like, yes, I want to get in and do this. Like, and there's nothing wrong with me saying, I have a burden and a heart for this and turning to someone. In fact, Stephen and I were talking about it too, you know? And so I'm spilling some of this out to him one day. He's like, I want to help you with that. And I was like, I was like, it's just, it becomes contagious when you step into that and you just go, instead of going, shining back and going, well, I don't want to overstep my bounds and I don't want to be in the flesh. Hey, you know, at some point you, you got you to stick the key in the ignition and turn it. You want the power that's in there? You got to turn the key or punch yeah. the button now, I guess. I'm t- talking like an old guy. Punch <laughs> the button, you know. Uh, you know, if you want it to go somewhere, you got to put it in drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I mean, really, there's the the passage in Hebrews that says without faith, it is impossible to please God, but it is impossible to have faith. What was it? Faith without works is dead. It says faith without works is dead. Thank you. Thank you, James. Faith without works is dead. And so at any time that you start to feel like, oh, I don't want to get into the flesh. You need to remember, hey, faith without works is dead. And so I think part of how I kind of gauge is this flesh or is this just the legwork that has to go in to partner with God is flesh brings death. Flesh is going to be self-serving flesh is not uh, flesh is ultimately going to serve my selfish ambition. Whereas uh, which kind of brings me to my final thought is that the way to pursue the big and to steward the big and to make money and keep a pure heart and whatever I think is to be driven by our why you have to be driven by your why which is why am I doing this you know like when I was growing my podcast still am but when I started my podcast and I was obsessed with the numbers the what then I became very discouraged but then Mm -hmm. I finally had to stop and say generally you're not doing this for numbers. You're doing this to reach people. And if you're reaching any people, you're fulfilling your why and we grow to fulfill our why more. And so I think part of how we stay out of our flesh is to keep our why in focus, whether it's a lot of money, whether it's a lot of influence, whatever it is, you have to be driven by your why and that will help keep your heart in check and it'll keep you out of your flesh. That is so good. And I love that. I love that. And it comes back to our heart. You know, and I can't fix heart for somebody else. We all have to check that and let the Lord work on us in that. And and that's his part, you know, but we, we then have to do our part and apply ourselves to it. Um, no podcast is going to get made if you don't set up the appointments and record and do all and edit. Dear God, please edit. Um, and (laughs) I hate the editing process, (laughs) right? It's so tedious. Uh I just finished editing, you know, with, with one of the books and it was like, it was like, oh man, Mm -hmm. just the, the, you know, as you go through, but it needs to be done It's work, but it, it needs to be done. And, you know, it's like Jesus, 
he's endured the cross for the joy that was set before him yep. in his heart was, I want to see God's children be with us forever. So you know what, if it means I have to do this, I'll do that. And there was effort on his part. Some people would say in the flesh mm. because he was all God and all man. So he was all spirit and all flesh. His flesh had to act on what the spirit said uh, in order for everything to come together in that way. And if he's our perfect example, yeah. then don't we need to make sure our flesh lines up with the spirit and do what the spirit puts in our heart. I think he puts good things in our heart. I think he puts exciting things. It's not wrong to be fulfilled. Just like that, you're talking about, look, is this gonna, is this about me or whatever? There's also a place to say, it's not wrong to be fulfilled in what you do and find joy in it and to find pleasure in it and to like it. And it's, I thumbs up when you hit that top 1%. I'm like, go girl, come on, that's awesome. You know, I, you think I'm not gonna tell everybody when I'm a number one bestseller? It's gonna go out there because I would, because it was a dream and I yeah. hit it. Yeah. And I'll say, you know what? I didn't do that by myself. People helped me, God helped yeah. me. And I'm excited about it. There's nothing wrong with being excited and happy about what God's doing in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Lord celebrates with us. Heck, if anybody needs to feel a little bit better about enjoying life, go read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I was listening to Ecclesiastes this morning. He's like, you know what? The rich, the poor, they all end the same. The wise, the foolish, they all end the same. So you might as well enjoy your life in the process. And I'm like, there's so much wisdom in that. You know, there's just yes. wisdom in that. And so, okay, so real quick, because we're out of time, why don't you summarize for us, um, speaking of projects and pursuing the dream, you've got three books that are in the works right now. Just kind of give yep. us the title and a, like a one sentence summary, because we're going to come back to each one of those in episodes in the future. Perfect. I love it. And thank you for that. So super quick, before the end of the year, Lord willing, the plan is uh, three more books out there. The first one is called The Bride Finder, Eight Goals for Winning Souls. Mm -hmm. uh, probably by the time this podcast is out, it may already be, uh, be out there. Uh, but it is it is not uh, to beat anybody over the head. I'm not a, I'm not like a crazy big soul winner like uh, like Billy Graham or Kirk Cameron or some of these people that you just seem like the Greg Laurie, whatever. And so it's designed to motivate and inspire people to say, hey, I can follow this story. It's really a story from the Old Testament that you follow mm -hmm. and uh, these principles that we can learn from it, that if we have those things in our heart and we apply them, uh, it's going to open doors for us to have a better chance to win lost people to Jesus and help them become the bride of Christ. We're helping find the bride of Christ, thus the bride finder. Uh, the second one is a Christmas devotional that'll be out in October in time for people to get for the holidays and all that kind of stuff. Wrote it last Christmas mm -hmm. so that I could be in the whole Christmas vibe and have fun with that and, uh, and, and have that feeling. But it's really seven things God wants to say to us mm -hmm. that he really speaks to us through individuals' lives who are connected with the original Christmas account. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I love a great Christmas devotional. I like to read one every Christmas just take that time from like Thanksgiving forward and read something that's going to keep me reminded about what Christmas is really about. Yeah. And so uh, it's one of those books I've been longing to write. And so boom, get to write it. And it's already done. Now I just got to do some more work to get it finished. Uh, yeah. It's written, it's edited. I just got to make the final stuff and do it. And then the last one is called One Thing. And it'll come out probably late October, early November uh, for people as they head into the new year would probably be a great time to do this. And uh, it's the, the story of the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, he's like, hey, I want to know what it takes for eternal life and to be right with God and all that kind of stuff. Jesus says, do this, do this, do this. And I've done it all. And he goes, you lack one thing. There's only one thing keeping you from wholeheartedly following God like you want to. And then he gives him these five steps he needs to take in order for that to come about. And so, uh, and so this would be a 21 day devotional for somebody to walk through to say, I want to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. And if there is even one thing in my life that's keeping me from that and how do I overcome some of the fears that are go along with that, like we talked about all that. And so I'm, and there's man. Okay. Those three. And then there's like a million more. So yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Well, listen, we enjoyed hearing about listen when you came on to share about that. So I know that each one of these is going to be 
uh, great to dive into with you too when the time comes and we record those episodes. So, hey, I am proud of you for like pursuing the dream and challenging yourself and making it happen and and multiplying what God's put inside of you. That's what we're supposed to do. So that's awesome. Well, you guys go check out Alan online. You can find his books and his resources at alanchapin.com. That's A-L-L-E-N-C-H-A-P-I-N. Dot com, right? I spelled it right. Yep. Got Go it. Me. Go me. And uh, you'll find that link in the show notes. And then you can follow him on social media. Everything is there on his website. And uh, so thank you, Alan, for coming on here. Kind of last minute, but I love that you jumped in my calendar and we made it happen. So Boom. thank you. I appreciate it. Always. Awesome. Really appreciate you and you're doing a great job. Keep up great work. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, you guys listen, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. That way you don't miss any new episodes that are coming out and you can come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen. Java with Jen is my handle. And that is where I love to be in touch and give you guys updates and see behind the scenes stuff. In fact, you get to see all my side projects too, like the the cast and crew interviews I just spent the weekend doing for a local movie that just came out. That was super fun. Um, And so just make sure that you're following on Instagram. It's a great way to connect. And if you want some Java with Jen merch, including coffee, you can find it at javawithjenmerch.com. And we will see you guys next week. Love y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.